0: It's the On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, it's light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name. The place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice, whether you're just getting started or looking to grow. That's keepdreamingup.net. You're a locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. The Warriors are moving on to the NBA Finals after beating the San Antonio Spurs 129-115. Big game from Kevin Durant, big game from Stephen Curry. And to continue a couple of traditions, wanted to talk about it with Andy Liu of Warriors World. And we, we went long in this. We ended up talking a lot about many different topics, including a potential finals against Cleveland and kind of legacy stuff and some other things. But I think you'll really enjoy it. Conversation runs about 55 minutes. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for coming on.
0: A uh, little little late this time. There's only two minutes left. Uh, I wish we had done this uh, five minutes ago, but we had to we had to hedge a little bit.
1: But also, it was nice to get to see Manu Ginobili get his send off. Hopefully, not permanently, but we don't know, of course, for sure. And this was, for me at least, a pretty anticlimactic series. I it's just the way it happened. I don't really blame anyone or anything. I mean, there is a direct cause, but I, I it's just the way that this turned out.
0: Yeah, um, there's a lot of like I, I acted like really uh, uh, like it didn't matter like hey the Warriors win they sweep it was always going to happen but it did suck like like this should have gone at least five right they should have won they should have lost game one and honestly they might have lost game three too if if uh, Kawhi had played so like this should have gone five maybe six if you're looking at it from a non Warriors fan perspective so it could have been a lot more fun than this and really if you're looking at it as a as someone who's not a Warriors fan, this was you know this was kind of boring and it kind of sucked.
1: But one of the, the real takeaways that's positive from Golden State's perspective is that both Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant head into the NBA Finals playing very well in this game beyond just having some terrible turnovers, which is pretty much part of the Steph Curry experience at this point. 36 points, 14-24 to 24 from the field, 5-13 from 3, and the, the Warriors offense just sings when he's on the
0: floor. Yeah, they've they've figured out a way. So remember when we were talking about how hey we think the Warriors are going to be better next year when they're kind of uh, adapting to each other and maybe this is a Mike Brown thing, maybe not. Um, but Draymond has shot better and you know Marcus Thompson wrote a piece on where you know they're uh, milking their stars so to speak. Um, Curry and Durant have played have looked uh, more comfortable together on offense and it looks like. That they're just not going to even bother letting KD set the screen anymore. They're just going to have Steph do it. And that's kind of given, uh, that's kind of left both players in the most comfortable position. Uh, Steph is used to being a screener. Um, and KD is used to being the ball handler, and in in these cases, there are times where KD's even giving up the ball, and there's and and then from there, having Steph Curry as the secondary decision maker off of that is just, I mean, that's that's not fair.
1: It's also worth noting that Curry is a way better screener than Duran is, partially because guards can get away with absolute murder on screens because they're smaller, but I mean, he's just better anyway.
0: Yeah, and and there were a couple positions where they slipped because uh, other teams are like, if you're. Because if you have Steph as the ball handler, teams usually double, and I think sometimes they even shoot that. Um, like they don't even bother hedging because they know that Katie's gonna blow by the guy anyway. So they're like they're just they're just doubling right off the bat. When that happens, there were a couple of times where Steph just slipped or slipped to the side at least, not down the middle, and just got the ball from there. And you and then at that point you have him, and then you have either Ian Clark or Clay Thompson, who I'll get to talk about, uh, who's been terrible. Um but you have those guys wide open and at that point it's like um I, I don't foresee a way in this particular situation where the Cavs are gonna be able to defend them, but um like I just don't see it.
1: A big challenge for Cleveland in particular in this ser- in what we expect to be the NBA finals. I, I don't know why I'm hedging as much as I am, but I am. <laughs> is is that Cleveland has a relatively small number of actually like good defenders they have other guys who are okay like Jr. smith has gotten better he also got burned late in late in game three part of how cleveland lost that game and so what that means against the warriors is you're spreading your best defenders very thin and that's a big problem because the warriors can attack just about anybody one-on-one so they can focus on those matchups and Kyrie's going to get attacked a lot. Kevin Love's going to get attacked a lot. Kyle Korver. They just have a lot of players like that. They have more of those guys broadly than San Antonio does, though San Antonio's team defense got a lot worse, of course, when Kawhi Leonard went out.
0: So, yeah, I've thought about this a little bit, too, like where, where I think Cleveland must be able to get by just because, hey, it's just one series, and if they can stretch it out at the end of the day, it's only one game, like if they can get it to that, uh, that kind of thing like they did last year. And in one game or maybe in two, three games, they have the ability. They have enough defenders, I think, to cover. Like maybe if you sit Love, or maybe if Love gets lucky a little bit, you have Tristan, you have Jerry, you have LeBron who can you have Kyrie who, you know, if he tries, can get there. So I, I, think that could be a problem. I just think from the grand scheme of things, like when you look at it across 48 total minutes, it's, it's. I mean, they, they, they just the game just ended. They just dropped 129, um, and Clay struggled. Iguodala struggled. Um, you know, with or without Kawhi, right? But I mean, I guess maybe you offset that. That's that's 129 points that they put up pretty easily um, between between a team that hey Curry and KD went off, but you know that was about it. Everyone was pretty standard, and, and really nothing kind of jumped out at you. So um, from that perspective, like you don't even worry about the Warriors playing defense sometimes. Even though they have a great defense, it's just how can you how can you outscore them?
1: Right, and that gets into why I think Cleveland has a chance in the series in in the finals. I I think they actually have a better one maybe than some people particularly if the Warriors persuasion are giving them. And it's because okay. Cleveland can actually score. You know, like as as much as I think their defensive ceiling and floor are both lower than the Warriors, they can put up points. And if they put up points, they can win on the road they can win at home all those sorts of things but something i want to kind of keep an eye on is how the warriors handle when they it like at the beginning of the first game you know they'll have been off for a week and a half i mean at this point which is which is pretty insane considering everything and they can't come out as flat as they did not only against the spurs but going back to last year they had a pretty bad game one against cleveland and a pretty bad game one against okc And if they do that again, then you start to get into, oh, well, all Cleveland needs to do is hold home court and you can get it. They can have the series potentially.
0: Yeah, that that one's a fun that one's a fun way to think about it, because Cleveland comes out and well, besides that game three that we saw the other day. But I think they have they're able to play better, um, if that even makes sense, they're able to play better, quicker. Like Warriors kind of need need a little like flow and, and kind of need to get into it a little bit so they kind of always struggle in game one against Portland they couldn't defend in the first half against Utah uh, it was a very very slow uh, very very slow start and then against the Spurs they're down by 20 right should have lost that game um, so they always start slow so maybe the Cavs can see one on the road game one and then when you look at game three they always struggle there too um, against Portland down 20 Utah was close to the fourth um and, and even the spurs game was was relatively close throughout um so they always struggle game three so like you're saying like that that is something that's real and, and cleveland has lebron if you screw around and you're in a close game in the fourth quarter i don't care who you ask um you can lose that game so and and it wasn't uh, just end of this, move-
1: this year either because in 2015 they went down to one against memphis and against the Cavs in that in the in the second round and the finals
0: I kind of can't figure out why, though. Um, part of it, I, I think, is that uh, Steph Curry, uh, when he's out of it, he, he gets really, really out of it. Like, he'll start kind of making those bad passes, yes, but he'll also kind of, like, vanish from the offense. He won't call for the ball, things like that, right? Like, because cause he always listens to the coaches, and he's not necessarily going to ball hog or anything like that. And when he misses shots, it's kind of, like, um, it kind of cascades. Because, you know, with the Warriors, when they lose, they, they go down big. Um not something that's close. Last year happened a lot to Cleveland and Oklahoma City. So it's weird. I I am tr- I've been trying to think about why it keeps happening and I can't put my finger on it.
1: There are a couple different things. One is the Warriors generally insist on starting a series and starting most games with their kind of base lineups. So you think about the, you know, like in this series, you know, they didn't go to Draymond at center very much early on. They also didn't have to like, I mean, Draymond at center, they went to it for, I think it was 10 seconds in the first half of game one when they were getting just housed by the Spurs. Some of that was due to foul trouble and a couple other things. So that's a part of it. And then the other thing is, I think the Warriors do a lot of adjusting and they figure out, okay, this is what a team does well. This is like seeing it in person. And then they they get better as the series moves on. And I think some other teams Partially because the Warriors are so distinct, they just they have a better idea of their battle plan going in, and then the Warriors basically just try to figure out how to stop how to beat the plan that the, the other team starts with.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point, I, I, and that's funny because you would hear a lot of Warriors fans complain about coaching um, about the Warriors coaching staff, and and at the end of the day, they are li- they are the best. Last year, I thought they were uh, top two, uh, maybe the best coaching staff um, after after the game seven, I I kind of thought of maybe a little less of them, but yeah, from that perspective, just just things we can't see in the locker room, right? Things that they've created uh, in the past three years. uh, When you talk about that, when you talk about what they've instilled from that perspective, it's like, okay, yeah, uh, this, this coaching staff is top three, top five at the very least. Um, I do think though, that having Mike Brown there might give them a small advantage in the case of a short series. Um, throughout the year, I think um, it might not work out. I, I don't think he's as good of a, a just a, a thought person as Kerr. Um, doesn't know as much. Doesn't know how to handle maybe personalities as much. But I think in his short series, he's willing to um, use his guys more, use Steph and Petey. I don't know if you have any numbers on this, but I don't know how plays, touches has, have been. Um, but it just feels like he doesn't necessarily care if he gets those type of touches. It's, hey, let and allow... Clay uh, or letting allow Steph and Katie to cook and do whatever they want. Um, And from there, I think that's going to be enough if he's going to be coaching on the sidelines for for the NBA Finals.
1: I haven't seen. I haven't really gone through the touch data yet. Now that you're mentioning it, I might go through it at some point in the near future. Have a lot of have a lot of podcast airtime to fill over the next week and a half, so that could be (laughs) something I go into. But another part of the Mike Brown kind of story there is that I think the Warriors are going to be better at and and maybe it's not Mike Brown. Maybe it's also just that it's going to be Cleveland. Part of Part of why they start badly every series is that they almost always are kind of awful defensively at the beginning of game ones. It's just a weird thing that happens sometimes. Sometimes they're stagnant offensively, but often they're bad defensively. And that can be intensity, that can be execution, it can be a lot of different things. It's almost never talent. But... I don't think that's going to be the case against Cleveland at least in terms of the intensity part of it because they know what it takes to be Cleveland. They know how hard that series is going to be and there is no chance that there that the intensity part of it is going to be deficient. Well not no chance. There's an exceedingly low chance that it'll be that'll that they'll be flat in that way. They can be flat in a million other ways. I mean the turnovers were another part of the story tonight. Obviously it wasn't a big, you know, it, it didn't affect the final result, but I mean they the turnover margin in this game was 17 to 8 in favor of the Spurs, but Spurs still didn't have enough to win.
0: Yeah, I think there's something there, though. Like, I keep, I keep thinking about him. like, um, like, yeah, maybe it's shooting. Maybe Clay stays in a slump, and maybe uh, Steph plays like the way he did last year in the finals. But then, uh, like, you kind of keep, uh, as a Warriors fan, as maybe as a Warriors fan a long time ago, and, and I know that part of you is, is not maybe that person anymore. You've been covering the team a lot longer than I have. I still have a lot of fandom in me. Um, But when you watch the Warriors, and and I watched them growing up, there's a part of me that's, hey, there's always something with them that might go wrong, right? Um, And in 2015, um, they won, but they had to go down 2-1 twice. Um, Okay, so great. Uh, That one worked out. And then you look at it last year, everything was all smooth. You had them come back from 3-1 in the worst first real test of adversity. Um, And then then really the greatest collapse ever happened. And as a Warriors fan, you're like, okay, this is – uh, this is like the, uh, uh, the this is like everything that you've ever been scared of, right? Because something always goes wrong. Um, so you're thinking again, something like that might happen. Uh, maybe Clay plays way he does Steph, right? And then you kind of think about it throughout, and you're like, okay, at the end of the day, they still they've added Kevin Durant. And the more you kind of think about it, and I've already we th- I've talked to you about my prediction that I don't think there's a way they lose a game um, against the Cavs.
1: Cleveland has just great personnel. One of the things that I've been interested in, you and I have talked about this on Media Row for a lot of this season, because we could kind of see this matchup coming, even though Cleveland wasn't the one seed in the East, is Channing Fry has basically been out of the Cavs rotation in the Eastern Conference Finals so far, and that it could change in the NBA Finals. But if you remember, he barely played in the Finals last year either. And he has some definite weak points that the Warriors can attack. But my thought had been that he was a, an interesting antidote to JaVale McGee. But JaVale did a little bit of a better job on stretch bigs in this series. And I think he could absolutely abuse Channing Frye. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how Ty Lue handles their big man rotation, because if really he's just going to roll with love Tristan and LeBron. I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing for the Warriors. It's just a different concept that they have to deal with.
0: That, that's a fun one to think about. I think the bench lineup one, uh, Channing Frye matchup is fu- is fun um, in regards to the Warriors always go all bench. or I, I shouldn't say all bench. I should say I should say non-step, non-KD in the beginning of second and fourth quarters, right? So I guess usually they go, I think four or five minutes this postseason. They've gone, I think two to three. So they've cut that down. Um, and that offense usually sucks with or without, um, sorry, with or without Kim Durant, um, all the way until tonight, I thought it was pretty encouraging where Steph, or sorry, where, where KD kind of got hit in the neck by Aldridge on a post-up. And then he kind of went right back at him, um, had a layup, had a jumper, um, and from there kind of imposed his will on the offensive end, uh, uh, with that bench. So I think that's the next step. I think if the Warriors are really going to not only win the series but kind of prove that they're the better team by far, which I think they are, which I think that uh, some fans, maybe most fans, don't think they are because again they're not the defending champion, so they have good reason to think that way. But um, I think they because they, those are the minutes that LeBron is gonna is gonna take that Cleveland always wins. Now, if you're able to match those minutes with KD um, as well, if they're stretching, I know you just did a podcast on on minutes, right? If they're able to stretch KD a little bit further, and maybe even start the quarter, or maybe just bring him in after a minute, um, and and combat those LeBron plus shooter units, and play it even, and then go small, and then you know start again with the starters, then at that point, where is this? Where is the uh, discernible advantage that the that the Cavs have in terms of rotation, right? Because the Warriors can just absorb all the minutes with their stars, stagger them or just play them longer. Um, and at the end of the day, they'll have more talent. And then in this case, they might have the chemistry to make up for it uh, this year.
1: It's an interesting thought. And I've been working through that. Yeah, I d- you're right. I did that podcast yesterday. And so I look back at what Durant did in the 6- 2016 Western Conference Finals. There were some overtime games in that, in that from what I recall, but he averaged f- a little bit over 42 minutes per game in that series. And so if they could get somewhere close to that, let's say, let's say they got to 40. And that's a totally reasonable expectation, even though the Warriors haven't done that so far in the playoffs because they haven't had to. At 40 minutes per game, Durant is sitting for four minutes per half if you're going to make it even, which you don't have to. The way I would probably handle that is give him three at the end of the first and third and then give him a minute or two, a spot rest at some point during the second and fourth, you know, just to keep him fresh. And that's pretty much what they do with clay to a different point. But I think you can kind of do a slight stagger with it, handle it a little bit differently. And that gets into an idea I didn't talk about in yesterday's podcast, but I've talked about before, which is, my instinct that we're going to see more time in the finals with three of the Warriors All-Stars on the floor. They've done a lot of two, you know, like Curry and Durant, Clay and Draymond, that sort of thing. I think we're going to see more three and that's going to be how they balance it out. They're not going to go as much to the four plus whoever, which they can do. And those lineups are really awesome. But staggering the rest a little bit more between those guys to just stay at that like high stress level for opposing teams almost the entire game
0: and and from from my perspective there's going to be a uh, maybe a, a downside uh in terms of rotations Instead, i don't think their small ball lineup is defending well um so far um i don't have the numbers in front of me it, it just um it just seems like they haven't played much together all season and that could be kind of uh the factor in that hey they, they just don't defend well. Um, they're not used to maybe having a big guy back there. Whatever it may be, right? Andre Iguodala kind of hampered right now. Uh, he did look better at the end of the game, but he they might. They're not going to be able to play large minutes with those centers, right? There might. There's going to be a game where I think Javale unplayable. Like LeBron's just going to abuse him, um, and then David West maybe is going to be a little, little bit too slow. Zaza going to be Zaza. And he sometimes he's just not able to play in games, and he's injured right now anyway. Um, so you you might be looking at larger green at center minutes. And while I think that's the best lineup by far that the Warriors have, uh, they also haven't you know defended well with that um, particular lineup. And I think that um, uh, that also makes it harder. I mean, like it, it, Tristan Thompson is someone that, that gives Draymond a little bit of trouble. So I think you know from one side you want to extend the minutes, but also um, their best lineup has certainly not been that uh, the same as it was last year. Though again, last year when they played that small lineup, uh, it did get destroyed uh, there at the late, uh, the latter half of that uh, of that series. Um,
1: well, but something, so, something I mean, to remember, and this ties in with ties in with what we're talking about in terms of what it's done so far in the playoffs, is that the the death lineup now the Hamptons Five did a much better job until Iguodala started getting hurt, and once he and that's one of the underrated parts of the 2016 Finals is that Iguodala was just wearing down, and he wasn't himself at the end of that series, and you know Steph was was at his kind of same limited form at that point, and then Bogut went out. But Iguodala not being the same guy was a big factor in that. And so you could say, oh, well, you know, it's different this year, except that he hasn't looked like himself with the knee soreness. And now they get 10 days off. But we're going to have to see because he basically got a week off between games one and three and he still doesn't look right. So you don't know. It's not one of those things like, oh, he's off. It's never going to come back. But you kind of have to say that's a question mark for the time being.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's concerning because as someone that, um, I, I have, like, as someone that has knee problems and for him, um, he's had this for a while and someone that won them last playoffs, like you said, if Russ isn't going to do him well, then that's something that is going to be a problem because I think that he is from, from my end, I think he's the best defender on the broad by far. I think that you don't want KD on him. I don't think KD has that. You want him on offense. You want KD conditioned on offense. And KD even wears down as well. Not everybody is LeBron James. Um, so he even wears down. So you don't want him one-on-one with LeBron. You want to save those, right? Then you don't want Draymond Green on, on LeBron. You need you need him boxing out on the glass. You need him protecting the rim, right? You don't want him out on the perimeter. You don't want him getting foul trouble. So uh, who are you looking at, right? And from that side, you can't put Clay. You can't put Livingston. Uh, they're too small. Um, then you have Iguodala. So if Iguodala who did a great job on him in, in the first half of that series. And then, and then, like you said, wore down. Um, so yeah, he might be the key. I think if they can't stop him, if Andre Igadala is able to stop him, then yeah, they're going to have to play 125, 120 games. Um, but if, cause Iguodala, if Iguodala is able to stay with him because he does have unreal strength to match uh, LeBron, then that is something that gives him a huge edge because if you're able to put Four great defenders on the floor in that small ball lineup. And then Steph Curry, who's actually been pretty good on defense, um, at least this series, in terms of movement moving, moving and speed. And you can kind of tell that from, from a knee level that you can see that hey, he is much healthier. Um, then you also you have five, four-plus defenders in Steph. And that's, then then there really are no weaknesses, and that happens five um, from that. Yeah, so you're right.
1: Something that I'm excited to kind of keep an eye on as we move into the playoffs is just how the Warriors do offensively and, like, basically, because, like, we've talked about how, you know, maybe, maybe the Warriors are going to struggle stopping the Caps, and I think that's a fair point. But we've seen good defenses struggle to stop the Warriors, and, like, uh, uh, one stat that I think is interesting, this does not include today's game because it hasn't been incorporated yet. we We're re- That's with the downside of recording, starting your recording before the game is over. The Warriors have scored 123 points per 100 possessions with Steph Curry on the floor, and 123.2 with Durant on the floor. So... Ooh. Cleveland has had some really nice moments defensively, but it's also worth noting that some of their best moments defensively have been against intensely flawed teams. They're not going to be facing an intensely flawed offense in the finals, so... If the Warriors can like people said, Oh, if you know, if it gets up to one twenty five, one twenty, 120, then Cleveland has a better chance. And I agree with that. I, I I think that is is probably their best path best path to victory, as opposed to slogging like they did in twenty fifteen, just because of personnel. The problem with that is the Warriors their their like their offense is just so fundamentally different with Durant and I was intensely critical of Cleveland's offseason. I thought David Griffin did a really nice job in a lot of different ways. But the biggest mistake that they did is that Kevin Durant announced his decision on the Players' Tribune July 4th. They devoted exactly zero of their resources, first-round pick, trade exceptions, all that kind of stuff, to add in guys who they think can defend Kevin Durant. And I think that will come to roost in the finals. <laughs>
0: Who do they have? I can't. I can't. I can't even think right now. So we're talking about Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson. We're talking about I Elon mean, <laughs> Mont- Shumpert. Right,
1: Amon Shumpert's too small. I mean, so right. I mean, RJ, and and then you say, oh well, what about LeBron? Well, if you put LeBron and Kevin Durant, then LeBron can't be that help so, defense maestro than he's been the whole time. And
0: exactly. So that, that's what. So go ahead.
1: And Cleveland has no combo forwards. You know, other than LeBron, who's spectacular. I mean, we're no, n- there is no knocking him. But Richard Jefferson, yeah. who actually the best guy he defended in the finals last year was Sean Livingston, and you can't really have him do both those things at once. And Kyle Korver's not going to at that spot, Jr. Smith. I mean, you can try him. I don't think it's going to work. And they don't have the guys that I always think of as being better on certain other Warriors than Durant, but those guys who aren't necessarily good defenders, but they're just like really strong or something like that. You know, like that, like the Dion waiters type, like Dion waiters, actually former Durant teammate, Dion waiters did a really nice job against the warriors last, last year, because he, he could just bully guys. He could just kind of stay in their way. And Cleveland does not have many of those guys other than LeBron and Tristan Thompson, but that's a whole different thing.
0: So that's the one I'm most worried about when I'm thinking of Cleveland defense. It's that, Hey, you've been playing essentially, uh, a zone or a um, a very disrespectful defensive uh, plan uh, against the Eastern Conference, right? Um, pacers who have a below average offense, you've played the Raptors who play an ISO offense that um, is a joke to begin with in the playoffs, and, and then Kyle Lowry's out, and then those guys are terrible in the playoffs anyway, so you have that, and then they don't have shooters that can actually shoot, then you have, um, again, the, the, keep in mind, you know, obviously the Warriors haven't played the best competition, but... Um, You have the Raptors, and then you have the Celtics who can't shoot and uh, who also can't shoot outside of a a couple guys. And then Isaiah Thompson's got. So essentially, LeBron's been guarding no one. Um, And I guess against the Warriors will probably take uh, maybe Iodala, uh, maybe uh, Draymond Green, uh, try to take him away. I think he's smart enough to know that if you take Draymond Green away, then you're kind of taking a lot of maybe majority of the things the Warriors want to do away, both offensively and defensively. Um, but, uh, but beyond that, I mean, he's still, he's still someone that's going to make some shots. And then you have, and then now you're worrying about both Steph Curry off screens and then Kevin Durant, like whoever's on him. Right. That's just, at that point, you can't roam off, uh, three guys, which is kind of what Cleveland did last year. There's, you had Draymond, you had Andre Iguodala, and then you had Harrison Barnes who, who, who could shoot, but wasn't shooting well. So you had those three guys and then you really only guarded two guys. And, it, and Clay isn't necessarily the greatest facilitator or playmaker um so from that from that point yeah it made sense and, and that defense worked they they you know quote unquote turned it up or flipped the switch but um you know we're talking about it now it's just there's just too many weapons and and then you have a, a last game was fluky but you have a Celtics team that moved the ball better yesterday um and they kind of culminated in that in that last second play where they had a uh off-ball screen, a very simple off-ball screen where Jr. and, and I think uh, someone else miscommunicated, um, and then Avery Bradley just popped out for an open three. Uh, it's those type of things that's just like, even regular season defense is gonna suck. Like, are those things gonna suddenly get changed in the playoffs? Uh, LeBron, yeah, but but how about the rest of the guys?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And a guy that we haven't talked about at all, partially because I'm not sure how big a factor will be in the finals, but we should talk about him because he started in this game is Patrick McCaw. McCaw, I thought he's did a nice job in this series. Overall, he was a little bit tentative in his first appearance. I think that was in game two, but he got a lot better, got a lot more comfortable and was great. Yeah, that was in game two, but then he was so much better in the fourth quarter and he'll have fewer places to be against The Finals opponent, really whoever it is, even if it's Boston, he'll have fewer places to be than against the Spurs without Kawhi. But the prospect of giving him five to ten minutes a game is not only palatable, I think it's intriguing, and that's a big step for the Warriors too.
0: Even I, that's That's even I didn't even think of that. That's aggressive. Um, (laughs) I, a rookie on the NBA final stages, even a little bit too much for me to to, uh, to consider. I think Ian Clark has played well. I think his defense is not nearly as good. I think that's someone you probably want to go up in terms of shooting. Uh, Livingston, just because you trust him from a ball handling perspective. Um, and, you know, like you said, there's only so many minutes to go around. But, yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome for him. I think he's going to be someone that's near all-star level when he does uh, mature into a uh, uh, an NBA player a couple of years down the line. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be, I don't know if there's minutes that are going to play him. I, I honestly think there might be times where you don't even see JaVale hit the floor or David West or something like that. Right. Um, I, I think there's just, I think they should just go to seven or eight, but that, that's more of a, Mike Brown might do that. But again, we know that Kerr is still there. He was in San Antonio tonight and he's probably going to want to run nine or 10 out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'd be fun to see though. I think, there, I don't know how, how risky you want to have like a kind of a rookie moment on the biggest stage. Um, even I'd be scared. I don't, that, I don't know how much that says.
1: Yeah, it's certainly something... I, I don't think you want to necessarily do it in a high-leverage situation, but you give it, a, give it a little bit of time and see if it works out. And who do you think gets the Anderson-Verejau memorial guy who shouldn't play in important minutes but actually does? Maybe not in a Game 7, but my, my, I'm leaning towards Matt Barnes.
0: I think Zaza. Um, I think he's someone that... Yeah, he's the starter. Uh, Verejau's not, not the starter, and he never was, and he didn't get many minutes right. But I think Zaza, uh, so from that perspective, it doesn't make sense. But um, I think he's the type of player that might make some maybe costly mistakes and you never really want to see him back into a game, especially when he's struggling. So let's say, let's say if curse coaching or maybe if he's running rotations, that Zaza struggles in the first, let's say, five, six minutes a game, right? He gets in a foul trouble against Tristan Thompson, can't box out, whatever. Um, and then he starts the second half struggles again. Maybe there's a moment there where he starts the, third qu- uh, starts the fourth quarter and you know blows a couple of layups and maybe misses a couple of assignments, shoots a jumper for no reason, which he sometimes does. I think there might be a, a, a game here that something like that might happen where Warriors fans just completely lose it with him. Warriors fans have been rather impatient with him this year, um, and they love JaVale McGee, even though JaVale does – uh, I think uh, I think in a vacuum, both players have had about the same impact. Um, but players love, uh, guys love, people love uh, dunks, and uh, they just love him um, as a player. So, but I think there's going to be a moment where Zaza has a really, 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 really bad game, and I think people are going to. Um, kind of get on him for that. I they done that in the regular season already, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see it in the finals.
1: That's a very good call. And Pachulia, if they're facing Cleveland, really only has two jobs. One is <laughs> keep Tristan Thompson off the offensive boards as best he can. You know, he'll get a couple, but do, do the best you can there. And set the nastiest screens possible for Steph Curry on, on dribble drives. Because if the Sp- Cavs start games trying Kyrie on Steph, that will be an opening to just plant him Like five times in the first four minutes of the game on screens. And yes, Tristan Thompson is wonderful on switches. Like Thompson is underrated in that way, but there are two different things that it can do. One, you can get a mismatch with basically burying Kyrie out there somewhere else. And second of all, Curry has been much better at driving off switches in during these playoffs. And some of that is because it's a lot easier to do that against Pau Gasol than it is against Tristan Thompson. That's why Tristan Thompson is actually good at that. But that puts a lot of pressure on Cleveland's help defense and Cleveland's help defense other than LeBron is awful. So if Zaza can set those screens and start to create that initial separation, the Warriors can really use that. And JaVale and pretty much everybody else that the Warriors bring off their bench are not as good at screening as Zaza is. And otherwise that puts a lot on Draymond because we all know Kevin Durant's not going to set a screen.
0: (laughs) Right. And I think um, and I think to that point, uh, Zaza's to upgrade over Bogut. I mean, beyond the fact that Zaza's actually going to stay on the floor, um, it's that uh, he's going to be the one that's muscling with Tristan Thompson. There are a lot of times uh, last year and the year before that Bogut just wasn't able to keep people off the glass. And last year, most notably, just wasn't able to keep Thompson off the glass ever. Uh, Bogut ended up being hurt. And maybe if he had played, maybe the Warriors would have won. So there's that. But also, he just was not. He was a, was a great screener, and he was a great rim protector. Um, and when he was on, he was he was awesome uh, protecting the rim, and one of the best that I've seen. And was the reason that the Warriors actually became a top level defense in, in twenty fifteen. But um, but last year, he just wasn't able. To, wasn't quick enough. wasn't strong enough. And didn't want to um, didn't want to bang enough in the paint. And Zaza, if there's one person. Uh, on the team that's gonna be you know that's gonna wanna do that outside of Draymond, it's gonna be Java. So um that's gonna be fun to watch to see him and him and Tristan battling and, and in the game that the Warriors blew the Cavs out in at home, um he was he was the guy that was boxing him out. And even in the Christmas Day game he was doing a good job on him, uh despite the fact that the Warriors choked that one away. Um but yeah, he could actually have a positive impact. I think I think from my view he might have a better chance at a positive impact on a pro game basis than JaVale McGee.
1: I think that's true. Also because Zaza doesn't make the same kinds of mistakes. And if there's any player who makes you punish who punishes you for mistakes as LeBron James. <laughs> you know, like LeBron is just a maestro at that. Like if a guy's just a half like a half beat off, he can make the pass because he's the fastest pass thrower in the league. And so if JaVale screws up a coverage and the ball's in LeBron's hands, then it's going to be a basket. So that's worth watching too. And also JaVale he has this amazing habit where he's very active in rim protection, and when he blocks a shot it's it's huge he had one that actually got robbed on in this game, but he he also like he just get he's in position sometimes and guys just aren't really affected by him and I think that there could be a few of those on Kyrie where he's like he's trying his hardest, but Kyrie just gets it past him anyway. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, there was he had a goal ten today that really wasn't a goal ten. Yeah, funny, he got he got worked on that call. So used to him doing it,
1: <laughs> Javel only yeah. touched the ball. He only touched the ball eight times in this game, <laughs> um,
0: but he was only yeah, in for seven minutes. Him, so. Yeah, they forced it to him. They they, they forced it to him, and they kind of left Clay open. Uh There was a play where Clay was wide open, and they forced it to him, uh, and Nigadala made that pass, which is kind of um you know that's a little bit of concern now. That's that's twelve games in the playoffs that Clay has struggled in. Um, so that's a, you know, it's a little bit of a problem at this point. And for him, he's kind of playing like he knows to do. He's kind of throwing his hands up and he doesn't have the same uh, swag on the court. So, so, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a, um, an issue, um, until he doesn't make it an issue. I guess that's the most kind of boring way to respond to it. But you know, that that's less concerning, I think, me because that ignored me is something that you can't fix um if it really is something that's concerning though.
1: Clay is also helping the team in a couple of important ways. One, he's still playing good defense, and that's important because he's gonna have some tough assignments in the next series. And presumably he I think he's gonna draw the primary assignment on Kyrie. They'll bounce it around a little bit, but he'll do that. He might even get LeBron for some short stretch. Just maybe just just to see if he can do it. And because if his foul trouble is problematic, but less problematic than like Draymond because they just don't have anything else there. And then the second thing is as much as clay has struggled shooting, there is no conceivable way that he could ever be bad enough shooting this year where the other team would not guard him. You know, like, right. you're, you're putting a, you're putting a player on him and you're often putting a good player on him. Doesn't matter if he's zero for 15, he's still that guy. And so that helps everybody else work. And it's not sexy. It's not, easy to quantify, but players who consistently attract attention. And we've seen this with Steph. I mean, Steph has had some times where the offense has been good when he's on the floor, even if he's not playing well. And it's because attention matters and clay is deserving of that kind of attention. And he's not, he not necessarily is capable of manufacturing it, but that gets into the last thing I want to say about him, which is he needs to take fewer bad shots. Like I understand that clay, you know, when he's on, there are no bad shots for him. He's one of those type of guys. Like I, I, I agree with Nate. Nate says this all the time that like guys get hot and then they take shots that weren't that that were bad and that that's not how they got hot. Clay Thompson does not, the rule does not apply to him just because he's a different breed usually. But he just sometimes he's like, well, I'm kind of open. I'm just going to take this shot. And he can, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, but a little bit of patience. Like you you see that with this Warriors team, and this will be true against Cleveland, maybe even more so than some of the other opponents is if you make them work for an extra five seconds. They're going to give something up.
0: Yeah. And we've argued a little bit about this. I think throughout the season, too, is I, I disagree. I just say, hey, let, let the guy shoot. I think one, the margin of error is, is good enough to where you can kind of let the guys do whatever they want, and 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 two, you want to instill some type of confidence from that side. Though I absolutely understand, like there are moments where you know, even in this game, you want Ian Clark. Uh, there were a couple times where Ian Clark, he's you know shoot first. Uh, if he had made an extra swing pass to clay, he would have been open. I think even Steph, even KD is is not the greatest passer in transition, which is fine because he's always going to finish and he's always going to get fouled. But um, you know you're kind of used to seeing Igadala in the previous years, Barnes in transition, where they're kind of looking to pass and not really looking to score. Um, Wouldn't always find clay in transition. So um, uh, from that side, yeah, I, I get it. It's just you know for clay, it's you can see that he's getting a little bit frustrated. Um, at the same time, uh, he also doesn't really. I don't think he cares necessarily because they're winning, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a point here where maybe if they lose a game against Cleveland where he is going to visit the show is frustration, which will be something that's new because um, that's something that you you get used to seeing from Draymond.
1: <laughs> something that I think was fascinating about this game was that the Warriors only took 20 shots in the restricted area, but they made 17 of them, which is really really good. That's a high, very high percentage. The Spurs were 19 of 35 and I you know the number is great for them, but I think a lot of that is also the mm. effect that Draymond Green had in this series and also it'll be interesting to see how that goes moving forward because they're next up. you know Cleveland is a very different finishing team, but Draymond just Makes an impact. He just disrupts what other teams want to do.
0: Yeah, it's funny that we turned this into a Cavs preview about 40 minutes <laughs> isn't that about right
1: though i mean because that, that's the thing like i i really was excited about this series and you know i've, I've yeah. we didn't get to see it after 2013 which is one of those really memorable series in hindsight i actually got into this when i was writing the book it's just like I, I was reflecting back on that series i didn't rewatch game one i almost did just didn't have enough time and that series resonates you know they not they blew that game one lead and then they came back in one game two and you're like oh man this team could be legit and then they 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 lost a couple games later in that series that that were closer, but I thought, Oh, this could be fun. You could get into all that stuff. And it got, it got ruined in game one. And so we ended up in basically exactly the same position you and I were in after a game, after game four or during game four, in these cases against the blazers and against the jazz of going, okay, well that game was what it was, but now we need to focus on the next round.
0: Yeah, it is. It is pretty, it, it kind of sucks. I mean, it sucks also as a fan. You kind of got to hear like I work, uh... You know, outside of writing, I have a, a job and it's like you hear even the Warriors fans are like, you know, isn't it kind of boring and, and don't you want to see something that's better? And then and then you and then they even bring up that series, too, like last time. And then some people are like, you know, last time we played the Spurs, like they they think they play on the team last time we played the Spurs, um, you know, Steph got hurt and we took that game, you know. Blah blah blah. So it's like, yeah, that that is true. But um and honestly I, I thought the Warriors had a pretty good chance to send that thing to six or seven, um or, or uh, even seven. Um but I mean it, it, it does suck. Like it's from a basketball level, it's like you want to watch something that's exciting. Like even though the Warriors lost last year, what they saw, like you after seventy three wins, um and after after all that happened, Steph's crazy season. Um, they, uh, some actually thought, you know, they, they would have went through 12 and 0 if they did this season, right? Um, but Steph got hurt and they ended up kind of struggling through the Western Conference Finals, but it was pretty cool. Like by the time they got to 3-1 and, you know, guys like myself and the rest of the fans like, okay, these guys have got in the bag. It felt, really felt like the greatest season ever, uh, when they won that title. And that's something, and that's something that would, that's because they went through, uh, the trials and, and tribulations. And for the players, it probably doesn't matter, but for us who are watching, like it's oh man, like it's it feels like they are beating back like all these obstacles to get where you are. Um, but you know, even in 15, when they when they're going up against injured teams, they had that same thing. But this year, it's just like I mean, <laughs> these teams never stood a chance. Like in any game, like regardless of whether they were going to lose a game or not, even if the Warriors had lost Game One against the Spurs in the series, it just never ever felt like that they were in trouble losing a series. Um, and I don't know if that's bad. I don't think. I care because I want them to win. Uh, But, you know, I can see why that sucks um, for the people.
1: The journey of this year's team has been very weird because it's a lot of internal stuff that hasn't really been talked about that much. I mean, I I think back a lot to going to their kind of the equivalent of the exit interviews the day after Game 7. I went back to the Warriors practice facility and talked with Staff talked with Clay talked with Draymond, and those guys were crushed I mean they've really they saw what happened they got a, a regular season that was beyond their anybody's wildest dreams I mean 73 and 9 is just it's 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 unbelievable and I think that it, that will stand in a in a really interesting way moving forward just because it's so hard to touch and yet they walked away from it feeling hollow because they didn't Not only did they not win the championship, but they lost it in such a definitive way as well that they kind of understood, okay, well, we had the, we had the extremes on both ends of this and this is how we feel. So this year to me, it always felt about, okay, well, we only have one goal and if we, if we get there, then that's great. And if we don't get there, then this is a disappointment. And so all that we've seen so far has been a, a far less interesting prologue for setting the table for, The only thing that really matters to this team. And that's what excites me the most about it, because the idea of if maybe they just haven't gotten up for anything else, the way they're getting, they're going to get up for this. And remember the way that the Warriors played the Cavs, both regular season games at the beginning, they worked Cleveland early in the Christmas Day game. But then Cleveland came back to their credit and, you know, ended up winning the game and they dominated them at Oracle on Martin Luther King Day. So that is kind of worth keeping in the background, was there weren't many games that they really cared about this year, but those two were definitely yeah. among them. And then the other ones were probably the OKC games, and they just killed in those
0: ones, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Last year, they got up for every single game. They got up for games on, in November against Detroit. They got up for games against the Spurs. They got up for games against the Sixers. But, oh, well, well, maybe not the Sixers. Uh, uh, when Hanson Barks hit that uh, game winner. But... Um, yeah, they got up for every single game possible, pretty much uh, last year. Um, so that was so that that's a good point. And this year, the, there hasn't really been. Uh, you haven't seen them really care too much in the regular season, and even in the postseason. Like, didn't this few, didn't this entire series from games two, three, and four just feel like a regular season game? Like this, like what we watched today was really something that we could have just watched in January or March. Um, that that. And maybe the effort was a little better, uh, but it had that type of feel where it's just Warriors go up, they give give the lead back a little bit, they're a little sloppy, they go up again. I think the Warriors scored seven straight times uh, today after, you know, seven straight times in which the Spurs sent it back down to 10. They just scored basically like they were just toying around, goofing around. Um, so yeah, it definitely felt that way. Uh, what would actually be crazy is that they kind of did the same thing to the Cavs. But again, that's probably too ridiculous, but yeah, that's a good point. Like, like they haven't really necessarily amped up all the way. And the downside of that is we've seen Draymond get amped. Um, and we've seen LeBron taunt him and trick him and get him played out of games, uh, when he does get too amped. So I think that's really key. I think LeBron James knows how to mess with Draymond Green in a way that nobody else in the world does. Uh, because Draymond's usually the one with messing around with other people
1: thank you for bringing up that point because i nearly forgot this draymond green made it through the first three rounds of the playoffs with no flagrant foul points he had a couple technicals but no flagrant <laughs> foul points and that was what really burned him in the last year's playoffs was that he got that he tackled michael beasley in that game in houston oh, and then he got the two on Stephen adams and then that was what made the what made the suspension happen it's still possible you know draymond he can get fou- <laughs> he can pick up those sorts of things really quickly but he's not in the same place now and i also think that they understand I, I think the Warriors know what burned them last year and they this team has made the same mistakes multiple times that it is it is not like oh they make a mistake once they're never gonna do it again. I mean you watch the turnovers they had in this game and you'll see sure. that they they don't necessarily approach it in that way. But it is a part of of their psyche at this point is that like, OK, we kind of like to to quote Denny Green, like they let him off the hook. And that is not in no way to discount what Cleveland did, not in any way, shape or form. They earned their championship. But I'm sure the Warriors feel like if they had played it differently, they would have won and they can use that moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I think they know, too. I think Draymond knows. I think he was eating him up. I think Steph Curry as well knows that he wasn't playing well. Um, and and for guys like KD, it's they never even. Oh well, he's been there once, but they've never won it before, and they, and he didn't come close. Um, actually, did they win game one against the Heat? I forget. I think they won game one, and then they lost uh, four in a row, or, or it wasn't close after that. Um, I, I don't
1: remember the exact but, chronology of that series. I just remember Miami just uh, getting more and more control as the series went on. And, yeah. And, and, that haunting, and, and that haunting feeling when uh, that that's still with me about when they showed that moment of Harden, Westbrook, and Durant kind of hugging each other, and you're like, oh, they're going to be back a bunch of times, and they, oh, they yeah. never were. And this is the first time... <laughs> any of those guys has made it back to the to the NBA finals. Any of the 3. And the last point I wanted to make cuz I know you're, you know, longtime Warriors fan and all this is I feel like I'm also stealing something from the book, but yes, the Warriors in their franchise history and their Bay area history have won championships before. Now there is a very real case, especially now that they've made it back to the finals for the third time, that these are the three best years in franchise history. And that is absolutely incredible. The Warriors have never won 60 games in in a season before these past three years, 67, 73, 67, three NBA finals.
0: (laughs) I think there's a part of it where people say it's boring. Um, and, and you can understand that. And there's a part of it where I, I'm just 25. So I haven't seen anything, you know, in the 1980s. Right. But there's, there's a, there's been enough, there's been enough losing, I guess, that I have seen to where it's still pretty cool. Like you whine about 12 and oh twelve 12 and oh, Um, but it's still cool to see them get there. Um, regardless of what happens. Um, And knowing what they've done in the past three, two years and and now this year and knowing, you know, assuming what they're going to do next year and the year after, I think me and you both agreed that they're going to be better next year um, is crazy because you're used to watching the Lakers be great. You're used to watching the Spurs be great. And Warriors fans were used to be the ones that were acting like the ones that nobody's talking, you know, nobody's talking about us. How come do we don't lead off Sports Center? Things like that, right? And now as fans and the Warriors are on the other side of the spectrum where everybody hates them. Um, well, uh, some people hate them more and more. Um, but they're the talk of everything now. I mean, in LeBron James' career, not many teams I don't think has ever been able to kick him out of the spotlight, more so than the Warriors have. And I think that that also takes into account some of his uh, jealousy, I think, and, and maybe bitterness towards the Warriors. He definitely doesn't like them. Um, so it's cool to see the Warriors be the center of attention the past couple of years and for the foreseeable future. So um, that, in itself is awesome, man. And when you, when Warriors fans love to make fun of Lakers fans and, and bandwagon fans and things like that, it's 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 always interesting, interesting to see that uh, Warriors are on the uh, the evil side now, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm gonna give
1: an unbelievable stat that I just I just put this together because I had the basketball reference page up. So the first year I covered the Warriors was Steph Curry's rookie year, was 0910. Uh, and during that season, Steph and I talked about. He brought up. I was talking to him about losing. We actually talked about losing a lot that year, which is so weird to think about now. But so he mentioned at one point was in, I think it was in March of that year of, of 2010 that he had lost more games as a warrior that year than in high school and college combined. And it really stuck with me of like how much that, like the idea of how being on a bad team for 82 games really sucks. So I'm like, okay, I, so I went back and I was thinking about this as you were talking. So that year, the Warriors went 26 and 56 in the last three years, three seasons, the Warriors have not lost 56 games, regular season, post combined.
0: <laughs> is there ever, or are, I know you're not a fan anymore, Danny, but, or maybe you still are. Um, does it ever get boring for you? Is there going to be a point where you're going to be sick of maybe covering the team, do you think? Or is it something you're just always going to look back on and, and you're always going to find something to write about, talk about, uh, uh, something like that? You know, how, how are you feeling through this process?
1: At this point, I think I'm always going to be able to find wrinkles and nuances because one of the changes with having in the in the current NBA of having a team like this is that the support pieces are always going to change, you know, like next year. So this year was what's going on with the centers? You know, Zaza Pachulia, and of course, Kevin Durant. Like, Dever, Kevin Durant was a big issue. That Next year, Durant's not going to be a big issue. So assuming he comes back, the rotation's going to be more stable, but maybe Livingston leaves, maybe Guadal leaves. You know, you're probably going to have Pat McCaw be a much bigger part of the rotation. Still going to have to figure out what's going on with the centers because they're all free agents. So maybe Damian Jones is in there. So you're going to have those sorts of wrinkles. But what will be hard and has become hard for me is, The regular season, generally speaking, game in, game out, I am as into it as the players involved. And if they just continue not caring about the regular season, it's going to be harder. And like, I can't imagine, I haven't talked with any of the Cleveland writers this year, but like how just absolutely definitively, they just didn't give a crap about the regular season or at least large portions of it is something that I think that's what could take my edge off is if, you know, like if the Warriors just are like, oh yeah, we're just going to sit like Steph for like three games in a row, just because we feel like it. Like in Cleveland, hasn't gone that far. San Antonio is more of that team. But if they got to that point, it might be a little bit harder, but they're always going to have to be cycling through new guys because they don't have enough draft picks and they don't have enough money in terms of like cap exceptions and things like that to have a full team and keep it forever. They're going to have to keep cycling guys.
0: Yeah, that's that's and we could probably go for much longer on this too. Uh, oh yeah, on the differences and I think between the Warriors and and that as well as but I think the difference in the ideology between the Warriors and Cavs, which I find fascinating, it's just that I don't think they're ever going to come to that point where they don't care to where they're not playing. Um, I think from the from Kerr's perspective uh from Lake Up. Uh, uh but really it comes down to the players. And I think with Steph with Draymond with uh Clay, uh, those guys will never uh outwardly say it, but they and Iguodala uh, they hate resting and they hate sitting out uh because of injury Yes, that's fine. Um even so uh they just hate sitting out for any reason. They they want to play and the, they want to stay in a rhythm is what they like to say. But um. Yeah, it, it's just, it starts at the top, right? And at the top is Steph Curry, and Steph Curry doesn't ever want to sit. And for Cleveland, it starts at the top. And LeBron James is he'll sit for a week. It just doesn't matter. Um, and Kyrie will. I mean, Kyrie's what, like twenty four, twenty five, and he's resting. Like, what, what has he got to rest for? Um. So it's like. Um, so it's like from that perspective, it's it's just two entirely different teams, two in thought processes. Um, as, as they play. So I, I don't think there's ever going to be a point where they don't want to play. And they're going to sit out like uh, maybe I'll just or you. Or, but what's the point in showing up? I guess you can watch McCall if Curry sits out. Right. But but they. I, I don't think they'll hit a point where they'll, they'll not play um outside of her forces but but yeah not trying yet but but also their
1: their defensive talent is so much better than cleveland's just overall that they'll win they can win games in three quarters even without their a game and i think that's another big difference between them like cleveland will just every once in a while they'll just throw and they'll just lay an egg and that happens you know like almost every team does that and the warriors have too you know they've had some games like that one against the lakers where they just sucked but when you play good defense, it's a lot more rare than it would be otherwise.
0: Yeah, and, and that kind of speaks for me to the point that the Warriors are just a lot better. They were last year. They were the year. Actually, in the year before, I kind of thought they should have lost. Uh, last year, I thought they were better, and then this year, I think they are as well. Um, hopefully, that. Hopefully, I'll be doing this same podcast uh uh, for the next year. Oh uh, man, if, if we if we <laughs> do we'll if we that, do an early if we do
1: an early podcast for Game Four of the NBA Finals, I can't even imagine. Like, if we do that, if honestly, if it gets <laughs> to the point where we can do that, we should just do it at like the end of the third quarter and just completely like release <laughs> it before the uh, ref- before the game is over, just for sheer vengeance purposes. Um, but <laughs> but we'll see, and we'll have to. see. But thanks for thanks so much for taking the time.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, Dan. I appreciate it. Hope to hope to talk with you soon again. Absolutely
1: thanks again to Andy Liu for taking the time to come on. You can read his work at Warriors World and you can follow him on Twitter at Andy KH Liu. That's A-N-D-Y-K-H-L-I-U. Love having him on. As he said, we'll see if this tradition continues into the NBA Finals. My instinct is that it will not, but you you absolutely never know. And I will have plenty more material for Lockdown Warriors over these next almost two weeks. I mean, it's absolutely insane. It's going to be that long to, to do this. I mean, it's almost two weeks shows. It's a week and a half in terms of real time. But for me, it's it's that long. Lots to talk about. Lots of things to go through. And if you want to read my work on this, you can check it out at The Athletic. I'll have a game analysis piece that will be up Monday night. And then I will have every player probably Tuesday morning, depending on my own timing. Also release the, the text version of the Designated Veteran podcast that I did last week. That came out today. I needed to cross-check some of the specific terms. So if there were any ambiguities that, or questions that you had from that episode check out that piece on the Athletic because I, I worked and through and clarified a few of the the things that I was working through at the time and lots of other things to go through. If you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, Danny Larue NBA at gmail.com at Danny Larue on Twitter. You can also Support the show by leaving a rating, leaving a review in the podcast, whatever you're choosing, subscribing, downloading every episode. Really big things that you can do to help out the show. You can also check out SeatGeek. Did not do a, a read for them on the show, but SeatGeek using the promo code Warriors is certainly a big thing you can do to help out. And that is enough for now. The Warriors moving on to the NBA Finals for the third consecutive year. It's pretty incredible as somebody who covered this team during some of the doldrums. I mean, this is a long running doldrums. Guys like Marcus Thompson, Rusty Simmons, Covered them for a lot longer than i did so of course they they did more of it but you know this does and warriors fans will know this you know it, it it's it been a long time coming and it's it's going to be a fascinating run we don't know exactly what's going to come from here but thanks so much for being with me and for being with locked on warriors and we will of course continue going strong all the way through the nba finals so thank you so much for listening take care and make it a great day ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks
0: it's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy 1 get 1 free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our 4-pack of LED bulbs is 9.99, and our 2-pack of LED floodlights is only 12.99. Buy 1 get 1 free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy 1 get 1 free on
1: long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.